strategic uh, parts of that story. And uh, it was so incredible for Eric and I to sit together and sign uh, a final payment. And on Thursday, December 8th, we paid off the chapel. Uh, no more debt. And uh, that is a, just a, yeah, that's something that we can celebrate. You know, when we came to Port Clinton, we, 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 are, we knew there was already debt and we committed at that time. We're not going to take on any more loans to do what God accomplished here. And I mean, people just gave over and above and that, that this campus was born, but we still had that debt from years of growing and buildings that God was using. And, uh, but that, that was always there, you know, and hanging over our heads, and you could feel it every month. And uh, so a few years ago, we kind of said, man, what, what would happen if we could just get, get that taken care of and pay that off? And the, the funds that that would free up to do more in the community, to do more in people's lives, to do more missionally. And uh, because of God's goodness and his generosity and your generosity, you letting God's heart move your heart, uh, we are debt-free. And uh, we're, we're not looking back, and we are only looking forward. And so thank you for being a part of what God is up to. And uh, thanks for, yeah, being the chapel family and living out our values of love and generosity, all right? We just had to celebrate that. Well, we want to dive into our fourth message in our Advent series. And this weekend, we concentrate on the word love. All these gifts that Jesus brings when he came to the earth and through what he accomplished, hope and peace and joy and love. And there's hardly a Christmas story or a Hallmark story or, you know, that, that doesn't include, right, the theme of love. Certainly at Christmas time, in fact, right here at this own campus, we've, we've just recently had two new engagements. I mean, it's it's the season of love, right? It was probably the Hallmark movies that did it, right? I don't know. Uh, but love, love is in the air, right? Um, and there, there's a powerful passage of Scripture that I think has something so relevant for us to think about together this weekend. And it's found in this little book that John, one of the apostles, wrote, actually known as the Beloved Apostle. And in 1 John chapter 4, Verses 7 to 21, that's where we want to kind of land. And so if you have a Bible and you want to open there, or if you're going to open up your smartphone, or we'll put some of the verses as we kind of walk through it on the screen as well. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. And what's crazy is in these uh, really just 14 verses, the word love shows up 28 times. 28 times. That's, that's almost two times for every verse in this short passage, the word love. And it's not just any old love. It's not just cultural love. It's not just worldly love. It's not, uh, it's not selfish love. It's not sexual love. It's God's kind of sacrificial love. In fact, the word that's used uh, 28 times in these verses is the Greek word agape, it's God's kind of love that's sacrificial. It's God's kind of love that is selfless and generous and other-centered. And it doesn't demand or expect repayment. That's the kind of love that we want to explore. That's the kind of love that John was writing. And as he, as he begins to write in verse 7, what we first notice is what I would call the source of love. 
Let's look at it together. It says, dear friends, which by the way, uh, that also is the word agape. It's a form of it. In some Bible translations, uh, he addresses the people as beloved appropriately. Dear friends, beloved ones, he's saying, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. There it is. The source of love is God himself. And John opens this and he begins by just assuming, he says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. See, John is assuming that if we've experienced, if we're the beloved ones that have experienced God's love, he's just assuming that we would continue to love each other. And he reminds us then of the source of love. He says, love comes from God. He says, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone, he says, who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is the very source of love. Love is not just something that God does. Love is essentially a part of who God is at his very core. He is love. He is also, at his very core, he is holy, and he's righteous, and he's good, and he's kind, but he is also love and loving. And so John is pointing us to the very epicenter of love. Like if we're, if we're short on love, or if we don't feel like we've got enough love to go around, or we're struggling to love, he's pointing us back to the source, because that's where we all have to turn if we want to experience this kind of sacrificial, selfless other-centered kind of love. And he says in, um, in, in verse 8, but anyone who does not love does not know God. Now, this is not to say that people that don't have a relationship with Jesus cannot still show love. And in fact, it's possible for them to show God's kind of love. Why is that, though? It's because every human being that's on the face of the planet was made in the image of God which means that every single one of us does have the capacity to love like God loves, but without an ongoing relationship and experience with the love of God, our human love is eventually going to run short. I always say, hey, people can love each other, love anybody for a little while, right? For a little while, I can love you. For a little while, I can, we can put up with each other. But it's over the long haul, and it's when things are disappointing, and it's when things are hard, and it's when, when the love doesn't seem to get reciprocated, right? See, the, the kind of love that we're talking about is not a love that's dependent upon the actions of the other. So John is reminding us of the very source of love. I love what the Enduring Word commentary says. Again, John insists that there is something that is given to the believer when they are born of God. In fact, other versions of the Bible in 1 John chapter 4 here say um, the only one that loves is the one that has been born of God or is a child of God. Uh, he says, uh, uh, is given to the believer when they're born of God. A love is imparted to their life, catch this, that they did not have before. Christians are not just forgiven. They are born anew by God's Spirit. I was thinking about when our first daughter, Lainey, was born. Uh, I mean, it was, it was crazy, it was chaotic, it, it was hard for us to get pregnant, we had gone through some, some losses, 
we, we get into the hospital and leases in labor, and it quickly moves from just a normal childbirth to an emergency C-section, and heart rates are dropping, and, and Lisa's, heart, Lisa's heart rate and blood pressure is rising, and, and, and I mean, they're, they're, they're throwing me in these blue garments and rushing me into a room, and, 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 and all of a sudden, Lainey, there she is. And they quickly whisked her off to the NICU, which uh, we were in at, at Akron General Hospital, and the, the NICU unit was on another floor than, than the pediatric unit where the babies were. And so for a few days, because of Lisa's complications and Lainey's complications, they couldn't even see each other. So I would go up, I would go up to the NICU, and I'd take my, well, it was like a big video camera at the time, you know, and I'd video, video Lainey, and then I'd, I'd take it downstairs to Lisa, and then I'd show her... Uh, you know, Lainey's first bath. I can, I'll never forget, I'll never forget sitting in the, in the NICU and seeing Lainey on, in this little clear box and, and a light on her and one little hole. And I'll never reach, forget reaching my hand in there. And the first time that her tiny, tiny little hand just grabbed my pinky I was filled with a love that I did not know was possible. Like a, I don't know, a fierce, full love. And we can have that kind of love for, you know, our kids and for our spouse and people, you know, that love us back. But God's kind of love is able to give us that kind of love even for our enemies even for people that don't treat us well, for people that are lost and hurting and dying. This is, this is love, and God is the very source of love. But then John goes on to write about the sacrifice of God's love. Look at what he says. God showed us. I love this. God showed us how much he loved us. He showed us. Like, he didn't just say it. I like to say it. I, I tell my kids I love them all the time. I tell Lisa I love her all the time. I love to hear I love you all the time. But how many of us know it, it's, it's more important to feel it and see it than it is to just say it, right? Real love will show up. Real love shows itself. And this is God's kind of love and it's sacrificial love. And it says God showed us. He didn't just say, hey, guys, hey, humanity down there, just wanted you to know I love you. No, he proves it. And how did he do so? He, by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And then he says, John says, hey, this just in, this is real love. Like you might have experienced some love, but I'm telling you this is like the real thing. He says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God's love is a sacrificial love. When you, when you fall in love with somebody, it means that person becomes center stage all of a sudden. I remember when I first met Lisa, she was probably the first person that I ever met that I loved more than I loved myself. You know, I, I would love other people, but to a point. <laughs> and when it, when it worked and when it was convenient and when it got me something, but she was the first person that I loved. And all of a sudden, my priorities started changing, like, and I didn't mean them to. 
That's, that's God's kind of love that he places in our hearts for, for others, and it's a sacrificial love. And, and when, when it says God gave, he, he gave his very best. He gave his one and only son. I, I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of cheap. I like to say I'm just being a good steward, but bottom line, and you can ask these, I'm a little bit cheap. Like, because I know that if I get a good deal on something when I get it for somebody else, that just means a little bit more for me. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm cheap with myself. Like, I'm a, like Lisa will say, like, it'll take Todd, like, three months to pick out a pair of shoes, just to buy a pair of new shoes. Like, because I'm shopping the deals. Like, I'm at the Kohl's clearance rack. I'm a, you know, so it's not like I'm just, you know, lavish on me and cheap. But I'm, I'm just cheap on everybody. I think, I think about God's gift, the way that he showed us his love. It was not cheap love, you guys. It wasn't, it wasn't a white elephant gift. It wasn't a re-gift of something that he got and said, oh, well, I can deal without that. He gave his one and only, like he gave the very best. I wonder what it would look like if we gave sacrificial love to the people around us, love that costs us. I think of what David said, I will not give to my God that which costs me nothing. Sacrificial love. It, it might hurt even a little, but it'll hurt good because it's right. It's deep down. We're reflecting the very heartbeat of God, God's love. God is the source of love, and it's this sacrificial love. I love what Spurgeon says here. He says, if there was to be reconciliation between God and man, Man ought to have sent to God. The offender ought to be the first to apply for forgiveness. The weaker, he says, should apply to the greater for help. The poor man should ask of him who distributes alms. But herein is love that God sent. He was the first to send an embassy of peace. God made the first. Listen, sacrificial, God's kind of love, it makes the first move. It doesn't wait for somebody else. It just moves, and it moves in love. And next, John goes on to write about the sign of God's love. Uh, certainly, God's sign of his love was Jesus. It was in the sending of his own son. But the sign of love in your life and my life, John now turns to and writes about. He says, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. John's saying, listen, uh, the, the command to love God is very connected to the command to love one another. And John is saying, surely, like, I mean, this is a no-brainer in, in John's mind, at least. And yet, it's, it's a wrestling for us, isn't it? He's saying that the sign that we have experienced God's love is that, is that we will love other people. And so, if we're struggling to love other people, it may be because we are struggling to love ourselves. And it's maybe because we have struggled to comprehend and experience God's love in our own life. In verse 12, he goes on, he says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, catch this, you guys, this is so, 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 so critical for us. He says, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. What is John saying? John is saying, that people that can't see God will see God through our love for each other. The sign of God's love at work in our life is the way that we love one another 
and love others that are outside of these doors. In fact, he goes as far as to say his love is brought into full expression or it's, it's made mature or it's, or it's completed. It's come full circle is what John is saying in and through us when we love each other. You guys, there is so much at stake for how we love one another. It's going to show people the fullness of God's love or, as we'll talk about in a few moments, it's going to sabotage God's love in their life, the sign of God's love. Now, this love, it it can be experienced in all of our relationships, And, and the sign of God's love is how we love one another, which includes our spouses. So this is a shameless plug for our marriage, uh, marriage opportunities. Because here's the truth. You know, when, we, when you stood before a, a group of people at an altar and you said, um, I'll, I'll love and cherish you, that was a commitment. I, and I wonder, like, I, I talk to a lot of couples and they say they love each other, but they've stopped cherishing one another. Are we loving each other well so that the other person feels cherished? And it's not just, you know, our spouses, but I mean our families, our kids, and then the list goes on and on. And so that's why part of our vision as a church for 2023 is to develop healthy relationships. And so it's why our Marriage Matters ministry puts on special events, not just to, like, have fun. Although this one will be fun. It's a mystery. We're having a, we, we decided not to do a murder dinner night at the church. Okay. <laughs> So it's a mystery. The grand diamond is going to be stolen. So there will be some stealing going on in the church, but not any murder, at least. All right. So February 3rd, I want you to mark your calendars. There's more info in your worship program. There's actually, I think, some handouts at the, at the Welcome Center as well. But if you want a great date night, it's only 50 bucks, and it includes the mystery theme stuff. I mean, we're hiring a company to come in that puts this on. And then, then we'll have dinner, and hey, you can get dressed up if you want, or if you just want to wear jeans, that's fine too. Um, Christmas is coming. Dads, guys, husbands, hello. Like, you've got a few more days to get a gift. Maybe this is the gift. You're like, I mean, you just take a picture, snapshot of this, print it out, stick it in the stocking, and hey, baby, I'm taking you on a mystery date. <laughs> you know? So it's a great opportunity. The other thing that's coming up, and this is phenomenal, you guys, we are going to have at the chapel from Focus on the Family, uh, Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley. A few years ago, they came and did a a conference for us, and this is coming up um, March 10th and 11th, and you want to reserve your spots now. It's like, I think it's like 100 bucks for a couple. It's worth it. It's Friday evening, then a good chunk of the day Saturday. Um, it's called Resist the Drift. And in all of our relationships, man, when we're not being conscientious about loving and cherishing one another, it, things can drift. And so again, we just want to encourage you in your relationships, in your marriage, to, to take a step, to be intentional about loving each other and investing in that uh, love relationship. I love what the Enduring Word commentary says. The true measure of maturity is not uh, the image of power or popularity or passionate feelings, but he says the abiding presence of God's love in our lives given out to others. See, what John was writing about, the sign of God's love, that it's activated and active in our life is how we are loving others. And there's so much at stake. And it's not just in, your, in our marriages. Our kids and grandkids, how, are they feeling truly loved 
and cherished by us. What about, what about your, your, your friendships and your neighbors? Do they feel like, man, they love, they love each other. They love us. Do, what about your coworkers? Do they, are they feeling the love? Like this, like, man, man, I know, I know Todd, he'll, he'll go to bat for me. He'll, he'll I mean, he'll cover it. He'll, like, are they sacrificing for me? That's the kind of love that God's calling us to have. And not just for the people that we're close to and the people that like us. What would it look like to give sacrificial love, to show a sign of love to, to somebody that, guess what, they don't deserve it? Truth be told, we're, gonna, you know, we're all going to exchange gifts this Christmas time, and you're going to get some things, and you'll be surprised about some things, then you'll be disappointed about some things, and you're going to receive some things that, um, man, you've worked for, or, you know, or like you've, you've been investing in the relationship, and it, it was like a, wow, thank you for noticing, and you, man, you went over the top. And truth be told, some of us are going to receive some gifts that probably we don't deserve, and you're going to give some gifts to some people, some neighbors or some coworkers. You're like, man, that dude is a loser, or man, man, she just slacks off all the time. But you're going to give a gift because it's the right thing to do at Christmas. There's something about Christmas that says give because it's a show of love, even to the undeserved. And guess what? That includes all of us. So John's writing, uh, he, he points us back to the source of love, and he's, he's giving us uh, the sign of God's love at work. He describes God's love as being this sacrificial in nature. But next, what he talks about in the passage, starting in verse 16, is the security, the security of God's love. Look at what John says. He says, we know how much God loves us. Catch this. He says, we know. This is an experiential knowledge. This was not just, oh, I know it in my head. It was something that John was saying, no, come on, guys, we know. Like, we don't just know it up here. We feel it in here. God has loved us. He says, and we've put our trust in his love. Trust means risk, but when we trust in the right thing, it builds security and stability, right? And he goes on, he says, for God is love. Remember, that's the source and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Verse 17, and as we live in God, our love grows even more per perfect. Like our love and our love for others will become more secure for them because we're becoming more secure in God's love for us. He says, so therefore we will not even be afraid on the day of judgment. It's, and notice, he doesn't say, you know, there's no judgment. God just lets everybody in. No, he says, he's reaffirming, like, there is a day of judgment. And that can be scary, and it should be scary for some. But he says, but we won't be afraid. We won't be afraid on the day of judgment. Why? Because we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world and we've experienced God's love for us. And then John goes on, he says, for such love, that is God's kind of love for us when we've experienced, it has no fear because perfect love, it expels all fear. He says if we're afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows we've not fully experienced his love and we love each other because he first loved us. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels fear. So much so, John says, I, we don't have to fear on the day of judgment, even though God is a judge and there is a judgment day coming because we're secure 
in his love. You know what else it does? When, when we're secure in God's love, then it helps us when we're going through trials, like we talked about last week, and we can have joy in the midst of trials because we know that somehow those trials are still encompassed somehow by a loving God, that he loves us still, that he has our best interest at heart even when we don't understand it, the security of God's love. Every one of us knows what it feels like to be in a secure relationship, right? Where you're not having to question anymore, you're not wondering, you're not doubting, you're not having to double-check the text messages, you're not checking the, the 360 app to see, well, where is she really? Where is he really? Like a security. Like no fears, no worries. That's how God has loved us so that we can have that security. And we'll never be able to love other people with that kind of security where they don't have to worry about how our love's going to lean that day until we've experienced God's love for us, the security of God's love. And finally, John then highlights what I would call the sabotage of God's love. Look at what he says. He says, listen, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, he says, that person is a liar. Wow, these are, you guys, these are strong words. Like he's saying, you know, we go around and, oh, yeah, I love God, I love God. He says, but let me tell you something, the way that we treat other people, he says, if we hate others, if, if we're harsh on others, if we're cutting towards others, he's saying, man, this is not looking good. Now, now none of us are perfect, man, and we're human and we're fleshly and we're, but, but, but John is reminding us of how important this is. He says, for if we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. I think about the religious people of the day who they came to Jesus, and they're like, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And I think they were looking for like one simple answer, which he kind of gave them. They were looking for something they could do that would kind of um, exclude all the other things and, you know, just, hey, just tell us the main, main thing, Jesus. And I think they were disappointed because at first they said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then Jesus added to it, and he goes, oh, and the second commandment, which really is tied to it, is, is kind of the same, and love your neighbors as yourself. And I think the religious leaders who weren't treating other people well, who, who would say that they loved God, but they, they were not loving other people, and they certainly weren't loving all people, when they heard that, that messed with them, and it should mess with us. John's writing this to, to, to let us know the way that we love other people or our lack of love for others because remember, it's made complete, it's made whole in our love for one another. So when, we aren't, when, when, that, when that completion doesn't happen, when we're not loving others, we could quite frankly be sabotaging God's love, or at least their picture of God's love in other people's lives. There's so much at stake. That's why there's no room for gossip. It's why there's no room uh, for talking bad about people. This is why there's no room for being harsh with people. God is trying to complete his love in and through your life and my life. It's, he's the very source of it all. So listen, you don't, we don't have to come up with it on our own. I'm not telling you to do something that you're like, well, I don't even have it in me. You're, I, I agree 100%. I don't have it in me until we have God in us, Emmanuel, 
the source of love, the source of sacrificial love, other-centered, the one who showed that love through the sign of his one and only son, and the one who wants to show that love to a world that is looking and wondering, is God real? Because I've talked to some people that say they love God or they go to church, but that's not what it feels like. And John is reminding us that what's at stake is so critical. And, and Jesus, he's so loving and gracious, man. He forgives me, he forgives us when we blow it with each other. But he wants to fill our hearts anew with this love this Christmas. Because listen, at the end of the day, everybody could use a little bit more love. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for your goodness and thank you for your love. God, thank you for loving us and sending your son. Thank you that you didn't just tell us you loved us. Thank you that you have proven it. You've shown us. And not with a, not in a cheap way, in such a costly way, by giving your one and only son. May we realize how much you have loved us. And God, would you give us the grace to extend that same kind of love to those around us, even this Christmas season. To that end, we ask for your help. Amen. Have a great rest of your weekend, guys.